You're listening to the Bottom Line Podcast, where those living with or beyond bowel cancer, as well as health professionals involved in bowel cancer treatment and care, share their inspirational stories and lived experiences with host and bowel cancer survivor, Stephanie. Meros and Seamab lost their sister to bowel cancer, aged just 34. She was diagnosed at 33 with stage four bowel cancer, and her cancer was aggressive. Only three short months after her initial diagnosis, she passed away, leaving behind her 10-month-old baby boy. Sadly, Afros's story is not uncommon. Meros and Seamab created Set in September the label, established in honour of Afros, a not-for-profit charity established to raise awareness and much-needed funding for Bowel Cancer Australia. They recently donated $91,000 to Bowel Cancer Research, which has gone into much-needed research. Meroz and Seamark, thank you so much for joining me today on the Bottom Line Podcast. Thank you so much, Steph. It's an honour being here. Firstly, I just wanted to say how sorry I am for the loss of your sister. Losing someone at all is incredibly difficult, but to lose somebody at such a young age is incredibly tragic. And I just wanted to say that up front because I think that's really important to acknowledge Afros's passing. You set up Set in September the label to raise funds, as we've said, in her honour. And we'll speak a little bit later about this charity. But before we do that, can you tell me about your sister before she was diagnosed with cancer? And am I right? The word Afros means to illuminate one that brightens. Is that correct? Yes, definitely. Certainly. Actually, the day of her passing away, we actually came across her name on social media and it literally had her name with the meaning and it was the most beautiful timing and it just gave us that boost, I guess. Yeah, it was just a random post on social media and it just happened to be on the day that she passed away. So that was definitely a boost, yeah. It was beautiful. So Afros herself, a very successful, intelligent woman. (laughs) She was, it's, it's actually sad talking about her in past tense, actually. So Afros was a very successful, very intelligent girl, Ducks of the Year, or every single year, honours in university, did very well in her career. She was a mechanical engineer, senior mechanical engineer, I believe. Wow. <laughs> yes, yeah, she, she was great, actually. Can I just add, she was always very brave, and especially back when she got into mechanical engineering, it was, and it still is, but back then it was even more so predominantly male, but that was never something that was a repellent for her and because that was something that she wanted to do. So she was always courageous, brave, confident, and all of those wonderful things yeah she was diagnosed stage four which is incredibly young at 33 and we hear this very often from people saying I've been turned away by the GP saying I was too young and by the time it's discovered and diagnosed it's stage three or four which makes it a lot more difficult to treat did she have symptoms prior to her diagnosis and did she see a GP what was that process like Froze's journey was a bit 
unique in the sense that she went through her pregnancy and nothing was detected. She gave birth and, you know, she was a new mom looking after her newborn. And in terms of the symptoms, yes, there were symptoms, but unfortunately, as far as we're aware, this is something that we spoke to Afroz about at the time. The symptoms only occurred within a week of her diagnosis. And I think part of the reason is because prior to her diagnosis, I had personally never even heard of bowel cancer. So when you don't hear about something, it's difficult to be aware of the symptoms. So I'll speak about the symptoms that she was aware of, which happened within, as I said, a week of her diagnosis, which was she was starting to get stomach pains and pains under her rib. And also she had a fever for like a constant fever for about a week until her husband was like, you need to go to the hospital. So Raji, who's her husband, basically forced Afros to go to the hospital. I think it was middle of the night as well. I think she was in pain that Neofren wasn't doing anything and he's like, you really need to get to the hospital. And the other thing is the reason why she didn't think it was alarming was because she kept putting it down to being a new mum and being exhausted from being a new mum, yeah. I put my symptoms down to being a new mum as well and we hear this often and being pregnant and and the female body disguising some of these symptoms sometimes. As women, I think, we rationalise a lot of our time as, you know, we're juggling so many things, we're a new mum, we're breastfeeding, all of these things that could be hiding further symptoms. A hundred percent. And I think the other thing that sort of added to that was because Issa's health wasn't the best at the time. So Afros was spending a lot of time at the hospital, lots of overnight stays. I think also, you know, having a young child, you get very little sleep. (laughs) And also the stress, I would imagine. She might have thought that it was stress related as well, worrying about her child. Well, actually, I wanted to point that out as well, because Afros on another level was very caring towards her family and especially for her own baby it was just beyond and of course every mother's the same so she was extremely caring for her own parents and everyone and within the family so anything to do with her her son it, it's like she just dropped everything and just cared for him anything happened I was saying to her you know did you even do this and she's like I just don't have the time and I said yeah that's okay like it's very normal because I've got two little kids myself so she I just knew what she was going through however we just never thought in our minds that it could be anything serious. The care and the love that she had for other people was something that was extremely unique in fact one of the things that her oncologist said about Afros following on from her passing was that one of the things that she noticed about Afros in the few, you know, meetings and appointments that we had because, yeah, it was, yeah, her journey journey was quite a short journey, was that Afros was always worried about the people around her. And this is in the midst of her illness that was just so her she was always worried and had so much love for her husband her son the siblings the parents her friends she loved her friends she and you know the way that she held people and I was saying this to my siblings I just missed the way that she would hold us and there was something really 
special about that and I I'm yet to come across that like you know obviously I have a sister and I have a brother and I love them but there was something really special about Afros the way that she would hold her loved ones she actually called it the cone of love yeah Yeah. there is something about she sounds like a remarkable human being but you know some people just give you a hug and you can feel that warmth envelop you can't you it is it's authentic and genuine and just all-encompassing i was just i just wanted to make like she was actually six foot tall she was actually very tall (laughs) (laughs) but that's what made the hug even better because she would just sort of like hug you and hold you and you could just feel her heart and her warmth in the hug then it must have come as an almost an awful shock to to all of you you know you talk about the awareness factor and you know that's something we're really trying to remedy at bowel cancer australia but she must have been incredibly shocked as must you and the rest of her family it was i i just it was incredible that day i just have it like it's like i haven't forgotten any of the details from that day when she was taken into hospital they did the blood tests and they said it was something more serious and they wanted to get some scans done for her and initially we thought it was Sima, what was it, like gold bladder stones, I believe, when yeah. she messaged us. Yeah. And in hindsight we, we wished it was that. <laughs> yeah. But straight away, because we had no family history of bowel cancer or cancer in our family, and uh, Afro's message to say that she's going to get a scan done and we didn't even think about cancer, to be honest. Like, it didn't even cross our minds. Neither did she. Yeah, neither like, did th- she. At 33, no. you know, in a normal world, you wouldn't think that, would you? 100% in Afro's is actually a very fit girl. Compared to all of us siblings, she was the one who did F45. She was the one who was there every, like, I think three times a week, something ridiculous. Yeah, sometimes five times a week. She was at the gym. She was a clean eater, very health conscious. So she was just the healthiest person and actually the strongest person. The strongest. Yeah. And actually she would turn around to us and be like, well, you girls need to get stronger. You guys need to get stronger. <laughs> <laughs> I remember getting that phone call and, yeah, it was. Oh, Meros, I'm so sorry. Sorry, I'm just so mad. Steph, can we also say this was in the midst of COVID, the peak of COVID. Uh, could you see each other? You're, you know, you're New South Wales based, so could you see each other or was she somewhat alone on this journey so she at the hospital so when she went in for the scans and then she went in for the colonoscopy she was by herself and actually and i think they told yeah i believe she was told by herself as well and that's what she was saying she goes i don't even have anyone to hold oh god no and you need you need somebody with you in those moments yeah So the doctors, when the confirmed diagnosis, when that news was delivered, the doctors told her in person and had her husband on speaker on the phone, which is, I just can't even imagine how hard that would have been for Raji as well to digest over the phone. Essentially what they said was that it's stage four bowel cancer and it's not curable. So it was basically 
Frauds receiving a the news about her. Yeah, it sounded like a death sentence and that there was no light at the end of the tunnel. And that was that was really hard. Like Monday evening was really hard. The Tuesday, the uh, doctors called her again to sort of have another conversation with her. And my understanding is that that conversation was even harder. It was actually worse because I was there and heard conversation and I kept saying to her Roz you know don't give up hope and she did straight away say yeah yeah I know I know but they're, they're saying it's not curable I said look I understand that but let's have some hope like let's just sit down and you know let's breathe it in, in the like I just I'm shocked by the way she was received like yeah it's there's there's something there isn't it I think it's very I think this is a really important factor. It is the way things are communicated. Yes. And I think they're, you know, we're dealing with people, we're dealing with emotions, we're dealing, you know, it would it would have been the biggest thing that she's ever been delivered in her life, news-wise. And there's no framework sometimes around that to support the patient. And we talk about patient-centred care, and this is very important. Yes, the stats and the numbers, and they all line up, and yes, it may not have been curable, but what are the options and how do we deliver that news? I think is very important, and it's something that I think is health professional professionals need to work through. I know that Froz saw Dr. Penelope Della Cavallari. I've been practicing that. <laughs> and she's an incredibly sensitive health professional and colorectal surgeon. At what point did she come into the mix? Unfortunately, because of Froz's cancer was so advanced, there was no option of surgery at all. And we spoke with Dr. Penelope within a week of Froz's diagnosis. And it was essentially to get not particularly a second opinion, but yeah, maybe we can call it a second opinion because we had heard some really wonderful things about Dr. Penelope. And yeah, and I still think she's just so wonderful, especially the work that she's doing for bowel cancer. She's super wonderful. She's, I didn't see her as a professional. I work with her at Bowel Cancer Australia. She delivers news and we ha you have to sometimes deliver that bad news, but there's a, she's got a lovely manner about her and she thinks about the patient and the family. Yes. Yeah, so can I, and that's exactly right. That's spot on. And Having spoken to her, so it wasn't in person because it was during COVID, so it was over Zoom, but you could just feel the warmth. And part of the reason why we went with the particular oncologist was because of the warmth and the kindness that we could feel from her. And Afros felt extremely comfortable with her oncologist and Afros also felt extremely comfortable with Dr. Penelope as well. And it's because of, yeah, just the, just the mannerism and just, we just found them to be very personable. I think that's important that you have a connection with your team. Sometimes you don't get to choose the team, but if you have a connection, it certainly does help. So after the diagnosis and you obviously chose your treatment team, what did life look like for Afroz in that time when she was being treated? Oh, I think COVID didn't help and slash helped in the same ways as we life. Afroz was a very social person. So she she missed seeing people, but she was also very 
fragile. The actual treatment was uh, that was offered to Afroz was chemotherapy and just the standard chemotherapy because her cancer had spread to her to her liver and it had spread quite substantially to her liver in fact it was in most of her liver so surgery was completely out of the picture it was not an option so the only thing that could be done for afros was the standard chemotherapy which she did and that was to be done once a fortnight within the space of 3 months she was getting she had about 6 or 7 sessions and yeah that was and adding COVID to it, it was just so difficult because there were two times when Afroz was admitted to hospital and she was in hospital for, so the first time around she was in hospital for a period of five or six days. And that was really difficult because um, we were only allowed one, she was only allowed one support person. So being away from her newborn was something that was just you know, one of the things that I remember is we just had the TV on and Paddington and <laughs> Paddington Bear was on and we caught like the the tail end of that movie and in the end the little Paddington Bear is hugging his auntie or I don't know if it's his mum, but just I could I turned around to Afroz and she was just in tears and she was like, I just miss my son, like I need to see my son. And that was, yeah, that was really tough. So life was very tough, but it was beautiful at the same time. But I'll I'll never forget that, yeah. It was so beautiful because we came together as a family. We, for some reason, I think we all had time off work, <laughs> right? Time off work, my brother, my family, everyone did. And we you know faith brought us together. It brought us a lot of hope. It brought the community together. It just goes to show you how amazing she was, like how warm and how caring she was for the people around her. And her legacy will live on in her son, which I suppose takes me to that. That that would have been, you know, you've, you've highlighted how difficult it was for her without having her son there. And I know when I had chemotherapy and just having my son wrap his arms around me was was everything. Talk us through that if it's not too difficult. How is he going and how did he cope through this? He was only a baby, obviously, and Meroz, you're, you're a parent. That would have been a really tough moment. Yeah, that was very tough, actually. It still is. Mm. It'll be an ongoing moment, but he's lucky that he's got these beautiful aunties that can tell him all about his mum. That's right. <laughs> Oh, Simaba, I might let you talk for a bit and then I'll jump in. <laughs> yeah, so Isa lives with his father and actually just watching Raji's relationship with Isa is really heart-wrenching and it's beautiful. How old is he now, Sima? He turned two in March. So, yeah, we had a little Dumbo birthday party <laughs> for him because that was something that actually Afros wanted. She always wanted a Dumbo-themed party for her son, so... <laughs> He knows who his mama is, actually. I was going to say, how, how do you keep her memory alive for him? Because, you know, he won't ever actually tactile 
fondly remember her, but how do you keep that memory alive for him? So we have, so Raji has photos of Afros in their room and in, around the house. I also have photos of my sister. So every time he comes and stays at my house, I have photos in the lounge room. So whenever he sees photos of her, he points to her actually and he says, that's mama. And it's, yeah, and it's the most beautiful thing. We also talk to him. Yes, he's only two, but I really think children do listen and feel and absorb. So we speak to him about his mama. Luckily, we actually have a lot of videos of frauds. Funnily enough, like singing nursery rhymes. (laughs) (laughs) So we think that's just so wonderful. And I've like, you know, saved all of them and I've put them in a a safe spot because I want Isa to see, like we want Isa to see how lively his mother was. And we, you know, whilst of course she's not around, but those memories are there and we want Isa to grow up with those memories. I would like to pinpoint one of her beautiful nursery rhymes that she did was she was wearing a turtleneck top and she just decided that she was going to pull the wiggles out and made a video and sent it to everyone that one day. So it was like the hot potato and she was <laughs> and, was... and Issa loves the wiggles, so it's perfect. <laughs> I think sometimes we think children are not capable of understanding the bigger picture and they really are and they are sensitive to that and they they do pick up on those things i'm no psychologist but i think it's beautiful what you're doing and and keeping her alive for for isa but also for yourself so you talk about your faith and that helped you through and obviously i think sometimes there's cultural issues with living with cancer i think sometimes in australia you know it's various cultures deal with things in different ways how did your faith help you through? Yeah, so faith was actually a major part of our journey and Afroz's journey. It was, it helped us in the sense that it, I think it's so, yes, her cancer was advanced and yes, we completely understood the seriousness of her illness, but I think it's so important to never lose hope um, because the moment that you lose hope is the moment that you stop living so our faith gave a frauds and us hope it allowed us to live every day to celebrate every day and to just really appreciate every moment and I think one of the things that I really also want to say is that don't and Afroz's cancer was extremely advanced, but even then she never lost hope. And until her last breath, she never lost hope. And we, you know, we celebrated her and because she was still around, she's still physically there. So you need to hold them, love them, do things with them and get creative. Like one of the things that my sister Maros was really good at was doing, coming up with very creative plans for Afros. So, you know, Afros was immune compromised and it was in the midst of COVID, but and all, I think we were coming out of COVID, but one of the things that she uh, was recommended not to do was go into big gatherings. So one of the things that we Maros came up with was for her birthday, which happened to be her last birthday. And, you know, we didn't realize it was going to be her last birthday, but we had a drive, drive-by party 
So people, all of her friends, like the whole street was packed with cars. Obviously, we um, made our neighbours aware of the situation. (laughs) And all of her friends were just driving by, you know, like pressing the horn, had balloons. We had bubbles, music playing. I've got goosebumps, girls. I've got goosebumps. Oh, Steph, we have to send you the video when there's a video and (laughs) – and that was because my sister Maros like came up with that idea. Like we don't want her to feel lonely and be sad on her birthday because she's not able to be around her friends and family. So yeah, that's one of the things is get creative. The other thing that Maros really like kept looking into and organizing was like little private dining sessions at cafes and informing cafes of a frozen condition. She loves she loves going out and having a coffee. So yeah, and you know, you would be so surprised that you know, p- business owners are absolutely they're so generous and they're happy to have you and they're happy to make you know time. We did, we went and think two times, I think, Sima, is that right? Two or yeah. three, how much time, but I think three times where they just had the, the room organized for us or a section organized for us where we, we all went and had coffee and then we just left and it was, it was great. And it was a way to bring normality into a froze's life and I think that's super important and as as a carer and as uh, a froze's family members I think part of our role was to bring normality into her life she loved dressing up she loved pampering herself so these little outings like before going out we would you know we would do our makeup I would help her with her makeup I would do her hair I would you know we would think about what we were going to wear so it, that brought normality and it was something for her to look forward to as well. Yeah. I would like you to tell us a little bit about set in September the label because it's in a, a Froz's honour that you have created this and at Bowel Cancer Australia we're very appreciative. So could you talk us through set in September the label? So this beautiful label that I've always wanted to do years ago, I just didn't have a purpose at the time. And I kept telling a couple of my friends, I think I'm pretty sure told a froze about it. I want to do a label where, you know, do little cute little products and do this. So finally, I put that, I put that idea aside after froze is passing away. I was finding very hard to cope with my grief because I didn't have time to grieve. I think being a mum, it was, it was tough. It was tough. And it is, it is tough because you just have to, put different hats on all the time where you have to be a mum. And so for me, I, I thought there has to be a way that I need to cope with my grief and turn it into my strength. And my strength was to put things together, put event styling, event planning. And I spoke to my siblings and my family members and I said, look, this is what I'm thinking. We should, there's, after looking at your wonderful website and I've just realised that, there is actually not enough funding for bowel cancer at all. We raised a lot of money and good money. People had a beautiful night and we actually celebrated slash, you know, we enjoyed the nights. It was, it was, it was a fabulous night. Like it was great. We raised a lot of, actually a lot of awareness. You raised a phenomenal amount of money. $91,000 was just so such a wonderful start to this but it's gone to young onset bowel cancer research which is what you wanted it to go to we are very appreciative and know that it is going 
to a very good place. And bravo to both of you for setting up in September the label. It's wonderful. Finally, because we are running out of time, what are your three quick takeouts from today? I would love to say that our GPs need to be a bit more aware that it's not an old person's disease. It affects young people and I think they need to be a bit more emotionally aware as well, I believe. Actually, another quick one I would just like to say is also I don't know if there's anything that we can do in the health system where young mums or any mums that have children are able to have some mandatory like blood tests that are taken place straight after they give birth so they just know that all their bloods are, are okay if that's something that we can introduce. Is there anything else I think? I think celebrate the life of your loved one whilst they're, while they're around and continue celebrating them until their last breath and even after they pass away. I think that's so important. Like don't grieve them while even though their cancer might be advanced, don't grieve them, celebrate them and just really appreciate and hold on to every single moment because those memories are just so precious. Lots of photos. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, thank you so, so much for today and sharing your story but also Afroz's story. I'm honoured to have chatted to you and I'm really honoured that you've spoken about Afros with such joy and I hope that Set in September the label continues for a long time. Thank you so much for joining me on the Bottom Line podcast. Thank you so much Steph for the opportunity. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much for listening to the Bottom Line podcast. To find out more about bowel cancer or for support or simply to donate please go to bowelcanceraustralia.org.